0: Um, welcome back everyone to the green dragon podcast. Um, today we have a couple of very special guests, um, Dale and Keisha Richardson. Um, I heard about Keisha's story on Twitter about a month ago from Andrew Tate's retweet. Um, they both been through just insanity, like crazy stuff. So I thought this would be a great way for them to, um, Maybe share their story with more people and then maybe we could find ways to help them and their family. So welcome, Keisha and Dale.
1: Welcome. Thank you for having me and my Thank
2: daughter. you for having us. Yeah.
0: Of course. Um, yeah, um, uh, I was thinking, I don't know if you could maybe start us off with um that contagion mitigation system. That was really strange, like hearing that. Just finding a fault in an HVAC system led to so much backlash.
1: Yeah, I mean, early in 2020 after the lockdowns, I was like, I was working on my degree and I was also doing some work for some dental clinics because I had a diploma in mechanical engineering technology. I was doing a bachelor of technology. And so I got called in to do some work for some dental clinics after the lockdowns and so we got the guidelines for the hvac systems for the aerosol generating medical procedures and that's kind of like you know you go to the dentist you get the drill the mist sprays up in the air that's aerosols they hang out in the air for a while and you can't see them and you can get virus bacteria anything like any type of contagion that's small enough to fit in those droplets that hang out there for a while and so you need to take certain things like set your air handlers, change over, you use basically dilution, destruction, and filtration to get rid of the dirty stuff in the air. But they gave us some guidelines and there was information that was missing. And we we're like, wait a second, we can't use this. So I was talking with a a professional engineer, a couple other technologists, and so we want to start looking for the guidelines because we're like, well, I can't use it. And I was at my dentist's office a few days later. And I was like, well, don't do anything until I take a look at these because I'm like, I can't figure out how to use them. So you're not going to know. So she was like, okay. So we started to do some digging and, you know, asked where's the engineering report to kind of justify what you were doing. Well, they're like, well, you know, call back. We'll have one um one you know few days or so so called back the guy was like, no, we don't have one. He's like, call here so I start calling in different places and keep getting the run around and I'm like, that doesn't make sense because um the the information once I found it came from the CDC because that's where the initial guidelines came from and the piece of information that they, removed said that the times that they had on the chart could take change up to 10 times. So if you say you needed to clean your air between patients, when your system was set up, say it said you needed 20 minutes, but if your air mixing was poor, well, then you you could maybe have to multiply it by five. So instead of being 20 minutes, you needed a hundred minutes. Well, that's important information to know if you're trying to keep you from getting sick right especially when you have stuff spreading through the air so with not knowing that you can and you're giving it to people who you know we had guys that didn't call engineers and technologists they just called the plumber and they just said well give me something you know that will do this without actually looking at the examining the facility and seeing if that would work, would it be an open or closed system? There's so many different things that would affect it. And they would just say, well, take this and your way you go, you're good. Or some places just didn't do anything. Well, that's how you end up spreading disease. So you're going to end up getting the people themselves to create the delivery system by not doing things properly, which is if I did that to someone and gave them that kind of bad instructions, I would go to prison. And so I'm like, you can't do that. And I'm like, you're going to create a bunch of unknown failures and an unknown number of systems. that's impossible to account for. It. That is just, I mean, you don't do that, right? Like, so I went to start talking to people and I kept getting doors slammed in my face and more pressure. And so then finally I reported it to the police because I'm like, you can't do this. My daughter reported it to her work and they have engineers on staff and they were still doing it wrong, which is absolutely like mind-blowing. Those guys should be in prison. And uh, well, that's when the hammer started to come down and uh, they didn't like it too much. And so I got really, I mean, attacked. case you got attacked or... Union turned on her and everything else like that. And finally, since they refused to do anything and wouldn't let us bring any more evidence um, at the police station, we sued them. And when we sued them, instead of letting us get in the court, they arrested us. And uh, Kasia for like apparently COVID quarantine, and they took me on a mental health ward, they said, Um, for religious and persecutory delusions, is what they stated. And uh, because, you know, the Bible says that I should should love my brothers myself and not let people get killed, right? That seems like common sense. But apparently that's a problem for people, right? Because I thought, well, if my child or somebody else's kid could die or somebody, you don't want to expose somebody to sickness or death because you're doing something stupid. And so they didn't like that. And so they came and they arrested Keisha. They ragged Elder her, like, badly. I was angry. I prayed. (laughs) And instead of, you know, doing something stupid, and I knew these guys were criminals, but, I mean, at the end of the day, I prayed. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, a lot of people would do a lot worse. And so... During that time, while well, they strapped me to a bed and drugged me and interrogated me about the thing that I was actually made the criminal complaints about, and they were took Keisha elsewhere to a different facility and were interrogating her under the guise of quarantine. Well, they stripped me of everything and uh, handed over my youngest daughter, like settled the divorce hearing on a first appearance in one day, and the other court hearing. Um, they didn't do I have no God knows what they did for that one. Same judge on both matters, both on first appearances, and the judge directed the police to keep us out of the court. Sheriff participated in the arrest, and there was no mention of us getting arrested or any of that stuff. So I mean, that's a whole bunch of crimes committed right off the beginning. And so because it all came from the CDC and this is crime you're you're creating it essentially what they did was created a delivery system for a biological weapon to make it look like a random outbreak using sabotage your engineering controls and that's an act preparatory to levying war and unleashing a gain-of-function virus like covid means that you actually levied wars so now you're looking at treason across the board right like I mean it's, it's done and so that explains why the hammer came down because you'd have to explain why you delivered a bioweapon weapon and uh, made it look like a random outbreak to, to like take away everybody's freedom right and then you use that to go in and interfere with the election and so after all of this stuff happening here in canada well they're like well after i got drugged out of my mind and my daughter got out first and she got sexually assaulted while i was being drugged and strapped to a table um as a result of all of this stuff and then so when i got out i was like get out of here but like you're an indian go across (laughs) the border Escape from Canada, right? And well, DHS, they arrest her when you can't do that, right? So, I mean, she can tell you about what happened to her when she went across the border.
2: Do you just want to briefly list some of the ways for all the, you know, oh, potential no, trolls?
1: Okay. Like, who's the, they? The, the RCMP, for one, the Saskatchewan Health Authority. Now, you had the court system that was involved, the Court of Kings Benton, Saskatchewan. And at the time, by the this time, I was entering the Federal Court of Canada. So you had the Attorney General of Canada involved in all of this and trying to suppress this evidence. So you've got federal and provincial agencies. And well, you look at the RCMP, they're like the FBI. So they're everywhere in Canada. So it's just like, well, when you've got those guys come bringing the hammer down on you, <laughs> you leave. I'll stay here and deal with them and I'll try to help your sister, but get out of here and save yourself, right? So what a father would do. I'm going to leave my daughter to, to stay here and then be run away? No, right? So there you go. So she goes across. Yeah,
2: so... Uh, Like my dad said, I I worked at the, uh, I worked for the provincial government in Canada at maximum security prison and hospital for the criminally and mentally insane split between two halves and I was blowing the whistle with him and, you know, we got persecuted there in Canada. Um, I ended up fleeing to the United States on October 1st of 2020 I went to Montana sweetgrass port of entry which is my ancestral homeland as an American Indian. Um, I was actually brought to the border by Robert Cannon, who I listed in the video. Um, And he, the DHS agents on the American side, because of course we're crossing from Canada into the US, the DHS agents told me to come inside. They took all of my travel documents, tried to destroy them. Uh, Then the guy left me there and DHS gave me over to immigration the next day. They kept me in like a holding cell at the front. Handed me over to immigration, and then they drove me from that border all the way to, uh, Arizona-Mexican border with well, it, some Mexicans it, that they were going to deport.
1: I just want to interject here, like under Article Six of the Constitution, the Jay Treaty, which was ratified in 1794, gives any Indian in Canada, any United States, the right to freely pass the northern border. Like it is just there's no. There is just no question you don't stop an Indian going across the border. It's, it's a no-no. So when they did that, they just committed a whack of crimes, but because she had the evidence of the treason and the, the biological weapon distribution, they grabbed her, and this was before the election. So they knew what they were going to use to interfere with the elections in the states and code was the means. And so this is why they grabbed her and go ahead.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have no criminal history in any country in the world. Uh, no charges, crimes or convictions ever, not even speeding tickets. <laughs> um, and yeah, I the IDs that I had, my native tribal card, my long and short form original birth certificate, Uh, my Canadian passport, driver's license, marriage certificate at the time, because I was married. Um, And uh, they took everything, tried to destroy them. So then uh, they took me to the Arizona-Mexican border with some Mexicans that were going to deport. They didn't end up taking me directly up to the border. I don't know why, God's grace, I tell everybody. Uh, They took me backwards to Perot, Nevada where I spent seven months in a maximum security immigration and military detention center. Um, you know, awful conditions, uh, but that's, that's life, I guess. Um, uh, they made many attempts to deport me back to Canada. They actually forced me through an asylum process, uh, which I am not eligible for because as an American Indian, I'm not subject to Immigration and Nationality Act. I am. Like my dad said, I'm covered under Article 6 of the Constitution. So I need to be ratified by the Senate Supreme Law of the land. I can pass, repass, study. I don't need to get a passport. My travel card, I crossed the border with this, and I can also fly with it. I do fly with it. You can use it for work or whatever, and they give you social number, whatever. Um, But they ended up trying to force me through that asylum process. They did. Uh, they denied me. They tried to... Uh, Supported me many times to Canada I think about like three or four times Canada refused uh numerous times eventually uh, my dad kept hounding the consulate in California to confirm you know to uh, immigration my status as an Indian and they did so on March 18 2021 They wrote a letter to DHS and immigration confirming my status as an Indian here in the US. And then on March 31st, 2021, they released me. But immigration didn't parole me on my own recognizance. They forced me into like American supervisor programs. So I had to be under surveillance tracking system, uh, full restriction. I had to give them updated photos. Uh, once a week I had like through the cell phone, uh, I couldn't leave my house or the city at certain times or without permission. I couldn't work without permission. I couldn't live where I wanted to live. I had to live who they approved me to live or where. Um, and the people that they paroled me to were single men in the U.S. and they were the ones trafficked me around the state, uh, drugging me. Um, beating me, holding me at gunpoint, sexually abusing me, um, recording it, and even apparently putting it online for financial gain and things like that. And uh, I received no assistance whatsoever from law enforcement, no uh, victim services. Um, A lot of people actually tried to accuse my dad of being the trafficker to me, regardless of some of the people who were there was a multitude of evidence against them and they even confessed to the crimes and uh people would say oh well you are complicit in some crime with your dad and also the victim so we can't help you um because he's running some like scam operation and you're just too like diluted pretty much the same thing that they're doing to other people that need not be named so um uh the one guy he did end up getting arrested and charged he was given bail conditions uh a hundred thousand dollar bail and not to contact me or anyone in my family um first party or third party or whatever uh because he had contacted my dad in Canada his father had contacted my dad in Canada his father's an electrical engineer to threaten his life and my family's life and mine if I don't leave South Carolina um since I escaped there, uh, he's constantly hunted me down. Um, he's gotten in contact with other people to try and find me and track me down and recapture me. Um, and it, I changed my number, it doesn't matter. He will still find it and find me, I don't know how. And the police will not rearrest him. They won't give me victim services, they won't help me. I've been in and out of shelters for victims of trafficking, they won't do anything, um, yeah. Right now, I am uh, yeah, go ahead. Dad.
1: Yeah, I think there's probably like 35 complaints to police in Canada and the United States. Like, and I mean, using some of these evidence packages now that are like at this point, like, I think the last one that went in was like probably about 5,000 pages of evidence, like, documented evidence. Um, picture evidence that was pulled from video transcript everything and I mean reporting every time this happens and I'm like this is ludicrous like I mean absolutely ludicrous right like I mean and then you look at what they're throwing the January 6ers in jail and somebody looked like a six year old child wrote this and lied about it and they're like throwing these guys away for 20 years and you've got you know, video of people committing crime and they're just not doing anything. And the worst part about it is, is that, like, what happened, like, in Saskatchewan, I mean, there were people from my church, <laughs> there was people from other churches, like, the doctors that, that that tortured me were from other churches. The nurse, that one of the nurses that lived, like, she lived, like, I could see her house from my house, and she went to a church down the road, and, like, you know, would visit our church and stuff like that. And I was like, "Like you guys worship Satan? How how you want to do that, right?" I mean, that's that was the worst part about it is having people in the churches that say that they worship God coming in and do this filth, man. I'm like, this is why people hate Christians because of things like this, right? Mm-hmm. And God don't mm-hmm. like that. That that pissed me off more than anything else. Go ahead, Jason.
2: Yeah, so now, uh, and I am in the same position. Like, I have not been able to find uh, a church community since then. I have not really gone back to church uh, when I do. The community of the church that we were in is an international organization. And when when they have a problem with you, it's not hard for any other church to find out because we share a membership pretty much to one conference, one main conference. So anyways, um, right now uh, I'm currently homeless because uh, I was actually at a shelter uh, for victims of human trafficking in Arizona with another woman that we were trying to help. Um, and we were approved to go to uh, an event with Kari Lake there uh, to kind of share our situation as victims trafficking because her children were being trafficked and I was a victim of trafficking. We went to the event, we spoke with her and while we were there, they told us we can't come back. So it was like, okay, shoot, we have to find another uh, shelter. And apparently that was the only one in Arizona that was available. So the girl was like, okay, well, I've been to Memphis or Tennessee and I like Tennessee. So, you know, let's go there. And I was like, okay, maybe there'll be like a shelter in Tennessee that can help us. And so we started heading there. We stopped in Colorado. Uh, for the night the next day she left me stranded in Colorado and that's when I made that video that you guys saw Um, uh, and then she she just left didn't really give a reason Uh, someone else that she knew uh, came to pick me up and they ended up getting pulled over by the police when they picked me up and the police said that and they had this dog and the police were like oh well We think that she was trying to do something to you or something, or she also didn't do the proper stop. Another police said that. And another police said she had a warrant from another state. They all said different things. And it was weird. They arrested her and then left me with the responsibility of figuring out where to put the car and what to do with the dog. And I was like, it's not my car or my dog. And it wasn't even this lady's car or her dog. And so uh, they were like, well, just figure it out. So then I, the person told me to take it to, you know, Tennessee as close as I could. And they would meet with me and take the car. They took the car, but not the dog. Anyways, I've been here the last two months or whatever. Uh, the person I was staying with was just like, okay, well, you need to not be here anymore. And I was like, okay. Uh, and I ended up on the street with his dog. So I called the police in the morning. I was like, Hey, I'm on the street with his dog. Like i I have nowhere to put it. I try to find a home for it. Please take it. Uh, And they were like, it's holiday. We'll come another day. And then later that day, that pit bull and another pit bull uh, attacked me. And I took to the hospital. The police came. Uh, They didn't do anything for me. Uh, The hospital did not even uh, help me much (laughs) either. And uh, they didn't give me any resources. They didn't let me speak to the social worker. And when I they said they were not there. And when I called back the social worker was like, yeah, we're we're here. They just told us not to talk to you. I was like, Okay. <laughs> okay. So yeah, it's a it's an interesting situation to say the least. It, it,
1: yeah, because uh the the girl that actually got arrested when Keisha was there, um, contacted me when she was in prison because she was known to the girl that dropped her off uh, that abandoned case in, in Colorado. <clears throat> and what I began to understand is that there was a lot of people that were involved in doing this that were in communication with each other. And so she was like, well, I'll I'll cooperate and say, you know, what was going on. And so I said, okay, well, if you're gonna do that, then I'll see if I can talk to somebody that you can go and talk to you. And so I guess when we had the conversation afterwards, when she got released from prison, um, it was, you know, well, I guess she decided that she wanted to do something otherwise. And so I had a conversation with her and I said, well, you ended up in your car, had a rope, duct tape, fresh weapons, And all these different things about going to places like Canada and all these other things. And I'm like, well, what do you think somebody's going to sit down and think with one, with the way that you were trying driving? And I mean, going to get somebody arrested. I said, what would a jury think about that? And how would you explain all of that stuff into a jury? And she's like, well, they think that I was there to kill someone. And I was like, Yes, people would think that you were involved in something like that because why would you go to pick up a trafficking victim with those types of things in your car, right? Like, I mean, and I'm like, Excuse me. And then, so then the person that she's connected with is got this dog, and then the dog, you know, attacks her when she's walking with somebody else at so the moment that that, uh, you know, I was that girl called me after she got to prison same time in case she got thrown out of the place that she was staying with and then so now i see that there's connections with people on both sides of the border and i report this to the police and they don't do anything i mean really you've got somebody who's a drug addict who's with you know this known kind of activity and weapons and all this kind of stuff in the car you're not going to think that that's suspicious right and then the nature of the conversation so i mean it's enough's enough man like so that's another thing
2: the police actually did not search the car um which is strange because if someone has a warrant for um their arrest in another state why aren't you searching the car um They didn't search it, nothing. They were just like, you deal with it. But they also Mm -hmm. called the RCMP in Canada to ask questions about me. Mm -hmm. So I was like, that's very interesting. Mm -hmm. One thing that people consistently tell me is, okay, well, Keisha, why don't you just get a job? Okay, well, when I was released on this program, initially, they permitted me to work seven months after I was released. They put me on a C-18 visa, work permit visa, which they give to the worst terrorists uh, in the country. Um, and so I was permitted to work for about a year. And during that time, I did work. Uh, I worked at a hospital as a patient ambassador. I also had a job as uh, a manager in the front store and uh, RX manager uh, at CBS. There are some times where I worked two jobs. Um, but since then, They, every time I apply for a job, I've been hired at many places. They just intervene and tell them not to allow me to work. Everywhere I go, they do that. Uh, I actually applied for a green card um, application earlier this year. And I took all of my documents to Nashville, Tennessee to, I was actually staying with some family that not my family, with a family that uh, volunteered for children's health defense. And we sat down with the officers there. They looked at all of my documents and they were like, oh my gosh, this should have never happened to you at the border. They start processing my green card and everything. And like a week later or so, I got a letter in the mail from immigration saying that if I didn't leave the country, they were going to send me to a third country, charge me a large sum of money and arrest me. Uh, and I didn't have to go back to Canada, but I do have to find a third country to accept me. Um, and they said that, you know, you probably won't be accepted anyways. Uh, so just leave.
1: And so the, this has been my situation. The problem is, is what they did with their social security number. There's nothing attached to it. It's like it doesn't belong to a person. There's no race or any information attached to their social security number, which should have everything on it but there's nothing at all. So when it comes up, it's like it's not a person. And so then ICE says, well, they can't go in and do anything. Well, it's not properly registered, and nobody will fix it. It's not that difficult to fix, but if they fixed it and put down that she's an Indian, then the question is, why the hell does ICE have an Indian in your custody when you don't, you have nothing to do with Indians, right? Like it just becomes a problem. And so there's someone's obviously trying to cover the crime for what ICE did. And you know, this whole refusal because some criminals are running around in the government doing this is creating a bigger problem. And while I'm here in Canada, I mean, people get to steal my house like multiple times if you try to try to get back. More fraud occurs, the police protect them with the fraud. They steal more of my money. They get protection from the police. I call the police, nothing happens, and everything else like that. So it doesn't matter what I do over here because I oppose what the communist filth that they're doing here in Canada. Well, I get zero protection, and it's not like it's worse here than it is over there. And so I can't help my daughter because everybody's just robbing me, including the government, right? So then I, and when I went across to the, to the States, after she got out, I got transported to Colorado. And like I presented my passport and valid for 10 years. Like they treated me like I was undocumented. They interrogated me with a bunch of, um, CBP officers with their hands on their firearms like they were going to shoot me. And I was quite <laughs> worried that I was going to get shot. And uh, like I said, I'm not going back. I was tortured. And so they took me to Colorado. They tortured me further, threatened me with federal prison to destroy my passport when there's really no reason for me to do that and all of these other things, like, I mean, poisoned and and not properly fed. You know, trying to get me into the mental health ward so that they could drug me to all high hell, like what they were doing in Canada, and so forth. And so after that, they threw me back, sent me back to Canada. And the judge, like, told me, like, I'm not taking your evidence. I'm like, but there's evidence of treason against the United States. And he's like, I can't deal with that. I'm like, I was tortured for it. And he's like, he didn't care. (laughs) He's just like, get it on my court. And I was like, "No, I'm leaving it. So I left it there. And so they sent me back and deported me and said I couldn't come back to the United States. So now I'm cut off from my daughter and have to like watch all of this filth happening and sure. and so forth. And uh I'm like, well, I came to to help your country, but then you kicked me out so that these criminals can continue to do this filth, but that makes sense and then right,
2: And then simultaneously. Just briefly. Um everybody, there's a lot of people have uh offered to help me. Um, but only if I, you know, turn against my father, literally, somebody they will tell me, like, I will help you, but I'm not willing to help him. So you need to say that he is doing this crime or he's doing that, or else I will allow you to go back into this awful situation someone the reason i actually am in the street
3: oh i think you muted yourself sorry
2: oops the person told me that you better allow me to get you some amnesty before things get really bad for your dad and i was like what do you mean amnesty they're like uh you know law enforcement cooperating with them to tell them that your dad is in some criminal drug or trafficking ring and that you are you know, pretty much abused or something. And I told them pretty much, I would rather die uh, because I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. If you're going to tell me that this is the way you're going to help me, you're not going to help me. I'm just going to be next. So like Trump says, you cannot negotiate with terrorists because even if they tell you that this is going to be the circumstance, they might kill that other person, but no one trusts a traitor. And so I I told him I would never betray my dad because there's no evidence at the end of the day there's no evidence of any crime because we didn't do any crime so mm-hmm. everybody from the very beginning on both sides of the border which is why I feel I know that there's collaboration it's not it's not an accident because consistently the problem is you know turn on your father or else
3: right and who uh, sorry a uh, quick question for you um do you mind uh, saying uh, or at least giving a, an idea of like who these people that we're reaching out to were are these like people that are part of organizations here that are supposed to be helping are these just like private individuals um or are they like large organizations like or i'm just curious
2: pretty much every single person who's reached out to me uh Mm -hmm. to help me um Mm -hmm. as an individual who are maybe connected to organizations uh did that eventually okay. said okay well either you stop helping your dad or you will continuously be in this situation and i kept mm-hmm. i always asked the same question like helping him how like he's the engineer not me he knows right. what he's talking about i don't know anything about engineering all we have is a podcast but they don't specify they just like you need to stop helping him or else um this is going to happen to you the person who is sexually assaulting me the same thing if you don't do what I say, then I'm not going to um, help you or your father or your little sister, the one I haven't seen in like four years, uh, get out of this situation. And this was when my dad was being strapped to the table and drugged against his will. And then again, when they took him in uh, detention in Colorado, mm-hmm. uh, when I just got out of detention. Um, consistently across the board, Um doesn't matter who or what organization it's it's been the the same
1: Uh yeah and every time i was being tortured somebody was going out and straight raping my daughter every time Mm. right and so like i mean this is correlation right i go and report treason and they strap me to a table like what right like i don't want people to get killed so somehow I'm a criminal, right? Mm-hmm. And if that makes you a criminal, then so be it, because my Bible says thou shalt not kill, right? And so mm-hmm. I want people to live. I want people to have freedom. And if that makes me a criminal in your books, then so be it, because I'll be right with God, and that's all I care about, right?
3: hmm hmm yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Dale, if you don't mind me asking, so... When they held you in custody, uh, obviously. So was this all under, I guess, the guys that, um, you know, that there was. You you mentioned like they they claimed that you were like insane. Then was that how they were holding you under in custody? It, it was all under that guys and then in Canada. And then, yes, in Canada. Okay, and then while you were under their custody for that, that's when you know they they drugged you against their will or against your will and and they you know kind of you know how held you there against your will and did all those things
1: correct is that right okay yeah because when they dragged me in there I my question was how is it that you're a defendant in a court hearing, and so are Mm -hmm. the RCMP that brought me here how is it that you're bringing me here to prevent me to go from court and said that was crazy the day the court happened I said does that even make sense Mm -hmm. right and I said, then I asked them, I said, where's the warrant? Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They have to have the warrant. And then they, the law for the Mental Health Services Act says that the police have to bring the warrant to the doctor the moment they walk oh, right. in the door. Right. right? They didn't have any warrant. And I asked them where the warrant was. So rather than answer that question, the doctor just said, enough. Take him and strap him to the bed. And they just took me, stripped me, strapped me to the bed, started drugging me. There was no examination, no anything. One hundred percent punishment and then they began to interrogate me about the same engineering controls that I reported them for and I was taking them to court for. Now when you start extracting information from people when you give them drugs like that, that is one hundred percent torture. You can't do that, right? Right,
3: like, right, yeah. No, a hundred percent. Yeah, no. That's insane. Um How how yes. long how long so how long were you in um how long were you in custody in Canada then? And then how long did that continue before then you, you tried to, you know, get across the U.S. border? And then how long in the U.S.? Because you said, too, they held you in custody in the U.S. And did they do something similar here in the U.S. or was it
1: just in Canada that they did that? Well, what they, in Canada, it was probably close to three weeks after my mother came in and got pictures of the bed and so forth that they strapped me to. Yeah, they, they kind of had to let that thing go because she's like, he's not crazy. Like, what what are you talking about? And she's like, I was just praying with him the day before, right? Where mm-hmm. did he go crazy between then and now, Yeah, right? And so yeah. after she started coming around and they got the pictures of the bed, they just kind of had to give up because people would be like, well, what the hell, yeah. right? And so then when I went to the States, they had knowledge of what was going on. Like the guy was talking to me about my daughter at the border and how long she was in custody. And so forth. Cause I said, I'm not going back to Canada. I said, these guys tortured me. And I said, I had six volumes of evidence that I was going to go file with the Supreme court. Cause I said, I'm going to report the treason. And he's like, You're... and then he started to question me about a corporation that I started in Delaware. Cause I had one here in Canada. I started that I couldn't make money because they were, I mean, stole everything I had. So I was like, well, I'll go there and, you know, kind of start working and do some engineering and stuff and get stuff set up and case she can start working because she's an Indian and I'm like she don't need any permission. And mm-hmm. to do the work as a director, I don't have to have a work visa anyway. The guy's like, you're not doing business here. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna file for asylum and here's my information. Mm-hmm. And because I presented him a passport and I'm Canadian, he should have just let me across. But no, they just took me into custody like I was undocumented. And I had a passport that was valid for 10 years. And so then they were intimidating me and coercing me to get rid of my passport for a travel document, which Mm -hmm. I'm like, I can't do that. I said, that's fraud, right? Like I could get arrested in Canada for doing that. And it I, says right there on the document, the guy the guy there, uh, his name was Officer Blevins, he threatened me with federal prison and brought me to so somebody. He's like, I'll bring you one every week until you do that, and then I'll throw you in federal prison. And so I called the consulate, and then my mother called the embassy, and she's like, no, you don't need to do that. And so then <laughs> they had to kind of rescind that after they saw that I went and um, co- spoke to the consulate about it and they got caught right because he brought some piece of paper looked like he just put that together himself and was telling me to do that and then they were trying to get me to see the uh the doctor there so that he could go drug me and i was like no because they're like we'll go see this guy and talk to him and then in the notes he wrote something completely different from what i said and they were trying to get me to see him and i was like nope. I'm not going there, and you know, getting provocation from the staff, like my diet, like I got the same food every day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. like I mean, and it mm. was absolutely disgusting. and they were putting stuff in my food. My leg was swollen. like I mean, by the time I got out, like if I didn't get out, I would probably drop dead from mm. from the treatment I was receiving in there. and then I, you know, got injured, didn't get proper medical treatment. They were just, they didn't give a damn. Kind of mm-hmm. like with the J6ers, were getting in in that kind of treatment. A lot of psychological, right. yeah, stuff going uh, on. So
2: Also, when my, sorry, when my dad was first taken in the Colorado Detention Center, uh, my ex-spouse from Canada, which was still my spouse at the time, uh, called me in America uh, and told me that uh, he was being paid by lawyers in Canada uh, to work against my father and I and to actually assist in the trafficking mm-hmm. and told me that he would share the money with me if I assisted him in that that was after the person I was paroled to live with actually let uh, somebody come into the home and sexually assault me the same person that was doing it in canada um and let me know that he was also in contact with that person as well Mm -hmm. um and so uh i it's i'm saying that it's uh it's not a it's not a like a coincident thing like that oh he's genuinely crazy no like i have we have all the Evidence, the audio, video, conversations, text message, everything, and I know text message can be like changed, so maybe this is a little bit inadmissible. But audios and things like that, and video, it's right. intentional. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Now, what I mean with all that evidence, I mean, obviously, the 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 justice system is isn't. <laughs> I think we all know that it isn't always. Uh, in benefit of the people it's supposed to be helping right um and it's it's pretty unjust a lot of the time um was this all presented obviously to a a court and just thrown out i mean that seems crazy and did a judge just rule that none of it i mean that's a lot of evidence it seems like just to get thrown out
1: it it, it was multiple courts like i mean i took yeah well that's
3: that's what i that you're you're saying it and i was like that sounds like multiple courts just tossed it out
1: but i took evidence from other people's cases like for example i had john taylor a lawyer in in arizona who exposed corruption um with the cartels and he had a similar thing they stole his son they committed fraud in the courts and then i had a girl in indiana who she was exposing a sex trafficking ring and then when she put the election fraud with the child sex trafficking, the there was an increase in 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 the retaliation. So when you had the claim of election fraud and then you had human and child trafficking, which is in applies in both my case and my daughter's case, you have an extreme level of, of um of retaliation. And I found that the state court levels were worse than the federal levels. Mm. So you would say, for example, a person like Trump, I was like, you're more than likely gonna see him get worse treatment in Georgia and New York than you would in in the federal courts, because the states have more power to shield themselves from federal encroachment. And in fact, the the child trafficking domestically through like cps agencies are out of control in the state level and the states are just you know keeping the feds out and the feds are turning a blind eye and all of this kind of stuff so i actually put a uh writ of mandamus in the court of appeals for the fourth circuit because i presented this in in uh the district court of south carolina under the Crime Victims' Rights Act um, for myself and Casey, and they had five days to deal with this because of the cases, the way it was handled. And so we went into the district court, like the law states, because there was a proceeding and so forth. And she had five days to deal with it. She took 275 days because I alleged the election fraud. And this was right mm-hmm. before the 2022 midterms. So instead of dealing with it... She just left it for like three quarters of a year, and then mm-hmm. decide to just deal with it. So then I then I asked for, and the appeal for that is a writ of mandamus. So I went to the court of appeals for the Fourth Circuit, put all this evidence and showing systematically from different courts in Canada, United States, and they actually ran a statistical analysis demonstrating the pattern that would be used in different courts to demonstrate the corruption and track the decisions of the judges and how they handled it to show that it was the same pattern over and over again, even with different people, um, like with John Taylor's case and the girl in Indiana and so forth, and then cited what was going on with Trump and some of the other people. Well, They did not like that one bit. And then I went and filed the Supreme Court at the same time. But I asked for, because of of what they did with COVID and the prohibitions for the biological weapons that was violation of Title 18-175, I asked for remedy under 175A for the Attorney General to ask for military assistance to shut down and investigate the biological and contain, contained the delivery system which the prevalence to the united states is unknown which is not an unreasonable ask based on what was done well yeah they did every try to do every dirty thing in the book to conceal it i had to call the and threaten them to call the police because they were trying to steal my filing fee and i'm like i paid my five hundred and Five dollars. You're not stealing my money. I don't care. I'll call the police. So they ended up filing it, and then the judge did what all the other judges did, and then the Supreme Court actually said, "Well, we didn't get the filing fee." And I'm like, "Yeah, you did." Hmm. I'm like, "I sent it," and I was like, "I inside those documents shows that every time I sent you stuff in the Supreme Court, you tried to do the same things previously." So I called the police in the Supreme Court, and I said, you better go down there and get my documents and find where my filing fee is because I'm not having my money stolen because that's, no. I said, you can't do that. And so I I did that. They did that, but they haven't got back to me, but they just dismissed it by lying through their teeth. And so Mm -hmm. now... Um, they didn't actually follow the protocol and, and everything else like that so you're seeing corruption like crazy in the justice system so now we're doing petitions to uh, the legislative assemblies wow
3: that's crazy and this was to the u.s or the canadian supreme court it,
1: yeah this is a, or both u.s supreme court i mean to the canadian supreme court i think I've got my documents now. This, I think, is like the 12th time in the Supreme Court of Canada. And I think uh, that one was probably like the fifth time in the Supreme Court of the United States. So, yeah, they're they're both corrupt. Like, I mean, 100% sure. Yeah. sure. Wow.
3: Wow. Yeah. What This just sounds like a, a massive amount of collusion between the agencies across the border in both the U.S. and Canada. But I'm curious, and I understand that this must be an extremely difficult subject for you two to discuss. But for the sake of getting her story out into the public sphere, I was curious if you would like to elaborate a little bit more on the abduction of Dale, your daughter, Keisha, your sister.
1: Yeah, this, this is really what happened is that they took her to provoke me earlier on. And then use the family matter to sort of um to to the family matter as um a means to to try to legitimize the abduction. And so she was taken at the advice of a lawyer, right? Because everybody had their own angle of why they were getting something. And then when I was strapped to a table being drugged against my will and tortured in case she was being taken to another facility and interrogated in a like fashion, which were two people being tortured. Then the judge who signed over custody and settled my divorce and divided the property, stole my house that I was living in, gave away corporate property and everything else like that, and, um, and then cut off all contact with myself and my daughter in case she got cut off from her sister without having any due process like i mean there's only one word for that you can't torture people to give away custody and take away somebody's property that's human and child trafficking there's no other word for it and so that would be a life sentence, but that was called a law floor to the court, and every court has been hiding and mm-hmm. concealing that, because if that brought brought to light, people would be like, well, this isn't China. You can't do that, right? Yeah, yeah. And so courts are responsible, but courts are trafficking children. You look at it everywhere, and it's just mm-hmm. disgusting.
3: So, so the cust so her custody was given to the state then in this case,
1: right? No. That, yeah. To oh, the okay. to the to the mother. I, oh, I assume okay. she's with her I assume she's with her mother, but yeah. I don't know. I haven't had any contact. They wouldn't allow me contact. They say you can have supervised visits, but I have no way of contacting her. Okay. Right? So that's yeah. like saying, Well well, yeah, you can have contact, but you really can't. Mm-hmm. and and so forth so it's a, it's and then the means by which they obtain the custody if you can go and torture two individuals so that you can win your case that is not the kind of thing that you want to sanction mm-hmm. right and so they're like well the court didn't do that well yes they did the judge directed the RCMP And it's in the occurrence report that I got from the RCMP that said that they did tell them to keep me out of there. And then I ended up strapped to a table in case you got tortured as well. And so that's that's not the way you obtain a child.
2: Yeah, they actually took me to my place of employment, emptied an entire wing of the prison and held me there by myself. For eight days uh locked down in a room for 23 hours a day and was not clothed properly or fed properly nor did they tend to any of my wounds um lost feeling in my wrist and lower forearm for over a year after the incident because of the way they brutalized me and so yeah the uh it yeah it's not it's not the way that you uh go about a regular custody or mm-hmm. divorce case
1: mm-hmm. and that they
2: also took all my belongings
3: mm-hmm. and that was immediately following this then that once the court ruled the, that the was custody. before they
2: made any rulings
3: no that was before okay wow. that
2: that's what they did in order to make the ruling they even uh, asked the sheriff of the court to come out and assist in the rest which you hear on the video of us being well, kidnapped really, it wasn't arrest because there was actually, I wasn't formally arrested or charged for anything. And the facility that I worked at is a provincial Mm. government facility that you need a judge's court order, psychiatric evaluation for, and a series of very convoluted steps to get into the facility. Um, They did all of that to us simply so that they can go in court and do whatever they wanted in that court hearing. After Mm -hmm. they did all that stuff to us, then they did what they wanted in court put it on paper and called it a day and then they took all of our assets They handed over all of my assets as well to random people my car included in my home uh, my apartment and things like that gave away absolutely everything i own um it, on top of everything that my dad owns so
1: it, yeah we were we were arrested and taken away at about 10 to 10 9:50 a.m. in the morning the order was given at 4.03 p.m. So I was already drugged out of my mind being tortured. Keisha was already at a different facility being tortured while these orders were being issued and they ensured knew that we weren't there. Right? And that we were being, we were already being tortured at the time. And so these things came after and there was no mention of, of us being arrested on any of the court documents which they were all fully aware of. Right? So you see wow. just the lies upon lies upon lies. And that's just over and over again.
0: So do you think they're just this scared of like what you uncovered? So now like if it finally comes out, it kind of just unravels so many people involved with this? Is it just like them trying to hide what they did? It's been
3: Sorry yeah, about the interruption we... there. Tom just Tom just started recording again. Um, yeah. Do you, can... do you mind if we if we if we go back to my question? Just so we have it recorded. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Let's circle back to so we'll repeat the question again, so I
3: can. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll re I'll I'll repeat it. So kind of my uh my question was Tom just just so you know as well. Um, I was asking, you know, do you think that the whole situation with uh, Dale discovering the HVAC system, um, was, and, and the, um, and the, there was a weaponization of, of his divorce, of the divorce uh, case on that, uh, to kind of, you know, leverage that against him as almost as a means of like blackmail, essentially. And so Dale was just kind of explaining that, and then explaining the timing between the two. Um. So, Dale, if you don't mind, just circling back a little bit to, to, kind of rehash yeah. that.
1: Yeah, it's like when they were aware that I was going to go and file, um, criminal complaints about the, uh, what was going on with the COVID, like a couple of days before I got served with divorce papers, right? Like, um. On June thirtieth, and uh and I went and made the complaints on July third.
3: And is um, that twenty? Sorry, is that 2020? twenty
1: twenty? Twenty twenty, yeah. Twenty twenty, so, okay. Yeah, so what should have happened was they should have the RCMP should have investigated it, and then they would have had to shut down the pandemic response and explain why there was a delivery system for a biological weapon um, present and you're doing it wrong because you had something that worked and then you took something that didn't work Mm because engineering works on you derive your formulas based on something that exists in the real world and that works and functions so you have all of this testing to come up with this formula right so It's not like theoretical, so you're replicating something. So what the government did and the CDC did was they took a critical piece of information away from an existing formula that was based off of testing things to make sure that it works. So there's an extensive history of testing that you would be able to find to derive this formula. Well, they took away a critical portion of it and said, here you go. And there was no testing behind it, right? I did freedom Mm of information requests here in Canada, and there was zero, not one piece of paper, which I suspected. So you're pretty much dead in the water at that point, right? And there's no defense for it. So when you have no defense for what you're doing, well, what do you have to do? You have to protect it at all costs. You can't allow somebody to come in and, and challenge that when you've got nothing. And so this is why the retaliation was so bad because the way engineering works is that you have to have a pile of paperwork before you do anything and they have nothing. And so they're finished. So this is why they had to, the the only choice was shut me up.
3: Yeah. There had to be a retaliation against that and a, yes. a, way, to, and a way to discredit you. I see. Okay.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And, and so, yeah, go ahead, Keisha.
2: I was just going to say, like, in the courts these last couple of years, not a single person ever shows up to any of the hearings, and the judge always rules in their favor. Uh, the guy who's a dual citizen of Canada and the US who was. Sexually assaulting me on both sides of the border that day that they took this and they went into court. They said that they know for a fact that he's my husband and my dad's uh, son in law. My dad was like, What are you talking about? My son in law lives in Quebec and he's black. <laughs> and they allowed this person to speak on my behalf in court for the last couple of years as a spouse to me. Um, and when I tried to say that, you know, this person is actually the perpetrator of these crimes they threatened to kick me out of the court so Mm -hmm. it's like it's it's a clear uh a clear uh uh bias kind of thing because people never show up they do whatever they want they have people submitting fraudulent documents and speaking on your behalf they don't let you present any evidence of the things that has happened or if you have it they just throw it out of the record and things like that well,
1: wow. i had the attorney, attorney general of canada come in on a hearing and there's video of this she comes and and she lies and i tell the judge i said this is completely not what is there in the documents in front of you the judge just like ah, there's no jurisdiction throws it out anyway i'm like but the the attorney general doesn't have any business being here. First of all, she's here f- to deal with the stuff with the RCMP, not here to defend my ex-wife, right? In in, 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 in a separate issue, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're seeing these types of things being permitted by the courts. And then judges coming in and then actually doing the work of the lawyers for the lawyers. And then I have to defend against the judge who's doing the part of the lawyer and then the judge is the judge. So Mm -hmm. who's he going to rule for, right? And I'm like, how do you get these kinds of circumstances? Like if you look at the court hearings and then judges that I've reported for criminal activity because of... You can't allow evidence of treason to go ahead. I don't care who you are, right? You don't get to do that. And when you're a judge, you can't tell someone like me that I, what I'm saying is false unless you get someone like me to prove to me, you that I'm fa- say, what I'm saying is wrong. But unless you can say that 2 plus 2 equals 5, you can't say that, right? You, you just can't do that. It's essentially what they'd have to do. And so the judge just goes ahead and oversteps the boundaries and then makes a ruling on something that he doesn't have the capacity to do. so, And now he becomes liable for the crime. And the big argument, what I did in the um, Court of Appeal for the Fourth Circuit, was I challenged the doctrine of judicial immunity, which doesn't exist, and says, does the judge have judicial immunity to take away your republic? And the decision of the Fourth Circuit was like, yes, the judge has judicial immunity to rob you of your republic. And that's what the Court of Appeal for the Fourth Circuit has dictated. And Americans should be extremely pissed off.
0: We are for sure. I mean, it's just... It's like 1984 in real life. Like, there's no... There's no cohesion of justice anywhere. Like, it's just insane that you've appealed it so many times to so many courts and have tried so hard with so many different law enforcement agencies and they all are in cahoots. Like, it's just insane.
1: There's only one reasonable conclusion conspiracy and treason, right? Like, I mean, it's impossible to get. failure rate in every jurisdiction that you go to. Like, it's just not possible. Right? Like, you you just, it's not, right? Like, yeah, you might get the odd time where you get something bad, but 100% failure rate all the time. You call the police, people confess, (laughs) you have them on video, like, committing the crime and they're just like no no right like what what more do you want I
2: yeah. had a police officer actually come into like one of the police who came to the scene where the guy pulled the gun like seven police came and they were like if he was here we would have shot him on sight they checked the place they were like this guy is very dangerous he's known to the police like you don't know who he is don't ever speak to him there again I was like okay but he, he wrote an affidavit saying that he knows the guy is dangerous and he did the crime and, you know, just the statements of the crime scene and what happened to me affirming that it was true to the criminal court. Then they threw everything to the family court and then he came into the court and spoke against me in behalf of the criminal and um, they threw everything out of the criminal court, took everything off of the docket in the criminal court, in the general sessions in South Carolina and in the family court in uh, in uh, South Carolina, in Charleston. And um, that kind of stuff happens consistently. And it's not just the law enforcement, like every place that I've been either trafficked in or fleeing to safety, I've gone to Uh, the politicians' uh, office, the governors, mayors, to speak with them and let them know what's going on, Democrats and Republicans, absolutely nothing. There's so much corruption and so many different levels. It's absolutely insane. Like, it blows my mind, absolutely.
1: The worst part about all of this, all of this goes back to Bail and Moloch worship every single case of this it is tied to raping and killing children trafficking children like 100 of the time and it is so disgusting right like i mean i i just you know what you want to go after music man that's one thing but leave the damn kids alone like i mean just stop right and this is where it it the worst part about it is, is that it's happening in churches where people think that they're going to go get help. You've got these devil worshippers in every church and they're going and they're going and turning these things over and they're working with the, the the criminals and the law enforcement to go back and traffic children and that needs to stop. Right? That, that one there, that's just off limits. Like, I mean, it's off limits everywhere, but it's it's the most offensive when you see people who say that they serve God and come in there and do that filth, that that irritates me. Like I, I understand where Elijah was just like not today, Satan, and rolled in and told the king, You ain't doing this because this is supposed to be God's country, not not this ain't no no devil worshiping place. This is not the place to do it, right? So that that churches should never be they need to that needs to be cleaned out of the churches more than anywhere else in the world because people should be able to come to the house of God and, and get relief from people like that you expect the heathen to do those kinds of things but that shouldn't be happening in God's house but it is and that's too bad what
0: like how how do you get like out of the situation? Like I'm just trying to think like everything is so rigged. Like would there be like I don't know, like a private group like um Tim Ballard's Underground Railroad? Um would that help or anything? Or like what do you see as like the way out of this?
1: The people.
2: I was direct
1: yeah. The 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 people this whole thing when you look at what they're doing everybody's going after the united states the reason being because the way the constitution is constructed only place on planet earth where you've got your god-given rights enshrined in a document and you got the declaration of independence that gives you the that affirms your inalienable god-given rights to life liberty and pursuit of happiness and the constitution that's designed to protect those rights and then you have the laws that have to agree with both the declaration, the constitution, and the law, and any decision that's done by that. So, having something constructed like that means the powers in the hands of the people and the people that are the ones that are left to enforce that. And so, what we've actually been doing is p- teaching people how to actually petition under the way it was for redress of grievances, where you have a right to go in there and nobody can stop you people think that petitioning is just going out and asking a politician no you send it into there you get your access we're doing that in different states but people need to know because it's the people that hold them accountable and when they know what's being done to us they're going to know that it's going to be done to them and this is what the tyranny is going to end up with but. You still have your God-given rights and you still have enough of your system left to get it back. And I want people to know so that this doesn't happen to them. Because at the end of the day, these devil worshippers are after the children. And and that just... The people are the ones who are going to solve it. It's not just the agencies because the people have to say it's enough and then they know the truth. They're going to be like, no way. I don't want this is not what we signed up for and that's what we need.
0: I'm in agreement with you for sure. I right? I didn't know that petitions had as much sway as they did. I always thought that it was just kind of like in hopes that something good would happen. Um, But um, do you have like resources for like more people to sign those petitions? Like we could definitely like share those and try to get as many people as we know to sign them. But
1: um petitions were the way that they work is if you want to petition your government for the redress of grievances you get you can have one or two people and you can take whatever you want into your legislative assembly or into the u.s congress and what we started with is starting to go through the different states and you have the right to go in there file your petition And be heard with whatever you want to present to the legislative assembly or the state house or whatever it's called in your state and be heard Mm. in front of the public forum. And then they have to come up with some way to fix it. And so now what we filed in Michigan is that because I was trafficked through Michigan on the way to report me when I came to report the evidence of treason and so i filed with some people in michigan because aliens do have the right for redress of grievances for wrongs that happened to them in the united states and since i was tortured and they were expelling me to steal the republic from the americans i definitely have a right for the redress because they did me wrong to rob you of your country right that's not cool so We went ahead and filed, and then we filed with a bunch of evidence from a bunch of, like, doctors that talked about the whole COVID response. So now when they reconvene the government, they're going to have to go and deal with that, Mm -hmm. right? And then we're going to be filing in other states where they're stealing children and whatever else like that. And we want to help people get their rights back, along with the other people who are going and censoring these dirty politicians and doing all of these other things to help the people get their country back, right? Because when the people see the wrongs, they're going to fix it. Because they don't want people losing their kids. The people will be fair. They're going to be like, well, we don't want this happening. We'll make sure that this is taken care of because these are the people that did wrong, and they need to give back to what what they stole, right? Right. And that's mm-hmm. what that's the way it's going to be. It's the people that are going to solve this, right? Yeah.
0: Definitely, definitely. Well, that, that brings a lot of hope, though, that those have the ability to like call to the public these issues and then the courts have to hear those. I mean, I wish I, I need to learn more about the court system. I just know from like you know main news stories how things work but i I really appreciate you kind of explaining how this works because i'm going to look into it more and seeing if how to be help to you both and then and if we hear other problems like as you're saying with the churches and stuff how to start calling things to to the public eye you know
1: yeah like you elected like you those elected officials they work for you Mm -hmm. right those state legislatures u.s congress that belongs to you and every one of you have the right to be heard and Mm -hmm. nobody can stop you right Mm -hmm. there's a way that they're supposed to be done but they don't tell you that Mm -hmm. when you do it that way like when these guys went in they got a state rep to go in there they filed with clerk there's nothing in you because that's the way that it was done and so When people get those things in there, then they can go and bring it to the floor. What are you going to do when you start presenting the evidence of treason and all those dirty things that they were doing? Are the elected officials going to sit down and turn a blind eye? Well, guess what? If you don't, then you file all that evidence that they have with the police, with all those other professionals, and say they're committing crimes, and then they sit down and say... Now we're going to go our state capital. We ain't leaving until you fix it. And these guys can't arrest you because they got the evidence of your crimes. Mm -hmm. And then what? Then you hold their feet to the fire. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to do the job that they're supposed to do. And if they don't, then you replace them with people who will follow the law and the constitution. Because I'll tell you right now, God is with the people on this one, Mm -hmm. right? Because God don't like it when, you read through the Bible, every time you see that God sends someone to go give somebody a smackdown, it's because they're doing this Baal worship, and he says it's enough. And what are these people doing? They're worshipping Baal, so God is going to give them a smackdown, and he's going to send the people to enforce the law, and they're going to be properly dealt with. Because if they don't, then God himself will do it, and it'll be worse for everybody, but God will have the people that will stand up and do what's right. He always does.
0: Amen. Yeah. yeah, well, it is very encouraging to see, like, both of you as an example of keep fighting the good fight even though it seems like all odds are against you. I mean, I know like a lot of families and friends I know just like financially lately with all the stuff that's been happening in the U.S. are like, well, you know, what's what's the light out? And it's it seems like the more and more I think about it and the more i talk to people it's like we pretty much have to rebuild the country we want it to be like go back to the roots like to the declaration and the constitution and then rebuild it based on the vision of god first and that's how we'll make everything better but it is hard to see so much corruption and say like oh what can we do you know it's like it seems like we're fighting everything all at once but You know, it's it's that one soldier that says no more. That really turns the tide of the war.
1: Um, you got to remember that this is a spiritual war, right? Yeah. And when you're dealing with a spiritual war, you have to go to God, right? Because I know there's no way that I lived through this without God's help. With everything that happened to me, I should be dead multiple times over. Mm -hmm. And it's only because of god helping me sure i mean i've gone through hell and back but at the end of the day i can sit down and say i'm thankful for to god because even through all of this hardship a lot of people can get the help from the things that i've learned that god has kept me alive for and so mm-hmm. um through that i i want to help that you know the blessings that i've received from those terrible things that I could use it to bless others because that's what God would want. And so this is how we show people who God really is because you can take a terrible circumstance and be bitter against people or you can do what God did. I look at Jesus's life and there's not a human being that lived a worse life than he did. Like, I mean, from the cradle to the grave, he was hunted like a dog. He was homeless and he was mocked, jeered, and like life was terrible just so that to save us so when i look at that i'm like well i'm not in bad company right and Mm -hmm. he went through way worse so i'll just follow after him he did most of the work and you know what i mean like paul says it's a light affliction compared to what god has in store for us so i mean i just have to keep reminding myself and you know go to the end of the bible and god wins right so Mm-hmm. we can't we can't lose following him and just keep reminding yourself of that and uh you know i think if we do that we'll be all right right yeah
3: yeah absolutely absolutely well said well said
0: it reminds me well, of uh i heard this quote once um from a an influencer i follow and he said that the things that we have to overcome the trials that we face every day said those are what qualify us to help others in the same situations as like an an encouragement to hope to say like even when it seems like you can't overcome the thing you're overcoming it's actually showing you all the ways that you can then go and help someone else so I feel like this this journey that like you're both replaced in and your family it's it's just going to unravel so many of the the um, so much of the corruption and like just the collusion of corruption throughout the whole us and canada and it will just expose so then people are more aware and then like you teaching us about how you can use appeal in a petition will then probably help so many other people's lives and so it seems like like how could this terrible thing happen right now it's like well is probably going to bring so much good and already is bringing so much good that one day you'll be able to look back and say that God placed me in a position where I could handle it. And from that, I was able to bring so much goodness to other people's lives. So I just wanted to thank you both for for being an example like that. It's truly inspirational. I think
1: most of the credit goes to God. I mean, I was just the guy that listened being a little hard headed like Peter and God was like, well, I can do something with that.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: I think we're all right like that.
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well I uh, I wanna I wanna just thank you for uh, getting on and, and sharing your story and I, I want to be respectful of your time too. Um but if, is there anything uh you wanna either of you want to close, you know, any any laugh? sort of uh thoughts to share with our listeners or any ways that um our listeners can find out more or ways to to support uh you or or you know other people that might be experiencing something similar to you before we close this out
1: i'll 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 go first and then i'll let my daughter talk last she sounds much better than me so (laughs) you want to hear her um Instead of hearing me at the end. Um I you can follow me on Twitter at DGS Richardson. I've, we've got uh, the CARES project on Twitter and there's uh links to the website. We have a gift and go to help raise money so that we can teach people how to do these things for themselves so that they can go ahead and teach other people. Cause I want I'm only one person, right? But if I can teach people and they can go and teach 10 more people and they can go out and teach 10 more people, well, you'll see how quickly that can get across to people. And I want to get the knowledge that I have because this is for everybody to know. So we're trying to get it out into the hands of people. I mean, and a lot of people can't afford a lot of this stuff. So, you know, we want to try and get this out to people and and that's really it we've got different products that we're you know we're working to you know with the wellness company and things like that so you can do that or if you just want to straight donate we have a donor box set up and we're working on getting merchandise and other things as well but that's really it uh and share the information um, there are links on the website for if you want to file the criminal complaints and I'm updating the packages and then we're working to show people how to do the petitions and the briefs and stuff like that so that anybody wants to learn, um, you know, give me a shout. I can show you how to do that. You can start getting that started with other people so that you guys can all start doing it because the more people that come in and bring that information then they can't stop all of us, right? They can stop one or two people, but when you got a thousand, ten thousand, and you use the law, which is designed to protect you, then, you know, learn how to use it and teach others to do that, to protect yourselves from the criminals. God will bless you for doing that, right? It's really it. Uh, Yeah, I will say... uh
2: firstly, thank you so much for having us on your podcast. I appreciate it. And you guys are welcome on our podcast anytime as well. I mean, I guess we're friends now, isn't it? But what I would say, um, I think right now there is a lot of women who are fighting this fight right now, especially with the trafficking of the children and things like that. And I think right now we need more men like my dad who are willing to do what is right, uh, no matter what, and follow their conviction to God, no matter what, just do what is right, though the heavens may fall, let justice be done, though the heavens may fall, so to speak, Um, because there's not enough. And I think if there was, this would be finished a long time ago. There's too much apathy and we need a lot more love and courage and to trust that no matter what we go through, God is going to deliver us because he's the one who purposed us for that. So you said earlier that you think that we're going to be able to help every, you know, other people who went through situ- situations similar to us. And I tell people all the time that God has created you for a purpose greater than the sum of your experiences. And I think that's true for myself and my father and the same for everybody sitting here and We have a duty as Christians to do um, what God has called us to do uh, on this earth. And as a woman and all the other women listening, I think that is important, first and foremost, to trust God and to listen to your fathers or your husbands. Because, quite frankly, uh, whenever somebody gives me a compliment, I say, thank you. It's the grace of God and my father only. Um, Because we need each other and God made men and women to work together in perfect unity because without each other, there is a missing part of the equation. Uh, we are maybe, uh, you know, a watchman and a sniper. I don't know, you know, I'm not too well-versed in the things of war, but the fact is that we just need to really be able to work together and trust one another. And women in this situation particularly are blind to a lot of things, which is why it continues to happen. And I'm still alive today because of my father and God. So I would just encourage the men to be men and to be disciplined and have duty and and love God and respect God and have the courage to do what is right and and women to have the faith to follow them uh, where they are leading um, by God's grace. So thank you guys again uh, for having us.
3: Thank you so much. Really, really appreciate you guys getting on. Tom or Jake, do you have anything to add before uh, we, before it closes out? Um, yeah, just thank you, Dale and Keisha, again. And uh, keep up the good work here.
1: Uh, yeah, no problem. I mean, it's God's work, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: And um, feel free to, like, um, I'm going to go to your website and everything and start learning about the petition processes. And then I'm going to share this with as many people as I can, just try to help them help you and then with your work. Um, but I just wanted to thank you both again for doing this, because I know you never met us in, like, in person or anything. So this was like a first time. So it means a lot of us that you were willing to come on and share your story. And um, I I believe it's going to be very helpful to a lot of people and hopefully we can give back as much as you've given to everyone else fighting so hard um so i just want to thank you all again and um just god bless you and uh, we'll be praying and helping as much as we can and feel free to contact us for anything because all three of us we live in different parts of the country we have like our families and friends that are pretty well connected so we will try our best to help so Thank you.
1: Well, if you ever want to learn how to do a petition for your state, let me know. I'll show you how. I will
0: definitely
3: take you up on that.
1: All right. Look forward to it.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, to all our listeners, thanks for tuning in uh, to this week's conversation uh, and support uh, Dale and Keisha uh, and their movement uh, in any way you can. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. If you did, you can uh, support us by dropping us a like, leaving us a comment or review. We do appreciate getting your feedback. Uh, If this is your first time listening to the podcast, you're just discovering it. And you like what you heard, you can give us a follow at the Green Dragon Podcast on YouTube, Instagram, and true social. And then at the Green Dragon Pod on Rumble and Twitter. And you can tune in every week for new episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. But until next time, be safe fight for what you believe in, and most importantly, be a good American. God bless y'all.